So this morning we're continuing a sermon series on the Gospel of Luke called Come to the Table. And in this series we're looking at a variety of meals that Jesus shares with people throughout his ministry. And we'll be reading from Luke chapter 7 verse 36 to 50 this morning. Hear the word of God. Now one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, so he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. Then a woman who had lived a sinful life in that town learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, and she brought an alabaster jar of perfume. And as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two men owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he canceled the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? And Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt canceled. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not pour oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he who has been forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. This is God's word for us today. There's a tremendously not well-known book out there that I read a number of years ago called A Framework for Understanding Poverty. And Ruby Payne, who was a teacher and educator, she wrote this book to help teachers especially understand how to, how to work with and how to understand children who came from different economic levels and different social classes. And probably the best insight that that book has is that people in different economic classes, people at different levels of society, if you want to use that language, they tend to approach relationships differently. And of course, the book paints in generalities and there are exceptions to this, but it basically, excuse me, it basically portrays three different approaches to relationships. And if you're wealthy... If you're wealthy, then what you want is a network of well-connected people. If you're wealthy, you develop connections who, who can open doors for you, who can get you certain things or perform certain tasks for you. If you're wealthy, what you want out of relationships is, is networking. You want to be able to give things to people so they'll give things back to you. And if you're middle class, as probably most of us are, if you're, if you're middle class, this book proposes that what you, mostly, what you mostly want is self-sufficiency and respect. And so you take care of you and yours, and you develop relationships with people who won't want anything from you. 
You develop relationships with people that'll be respectful, but, but kind of self-sufficient. If you're in the middle class, what you really want is independence, self-sufficiency, respect. And then this book proposes that if you're, if you're below the poverty line, if you live in poverty, what you really want out of relationships, what you really develop relationships for is help in time of need. If you're in poverty, your relationships are your parachute. If you're in poverty, what you want out of relationships is people who you can go to and say, I need this, and they'll help take care of you. All of us, and maybe you see yourself in one of those, maybe you don't, but, but all of us approach relationships with a certain grid, a certain set of expectations, a certain, a certain sort of practices that we expect to give and to get from other people. And, and we see that playing out in this text, that different people approach their relationship with the Lord also with different expectations and a, a different sense of what that relationship is for. So be, be thinking about that, thinking about how different people relate to each other as we work through the text this morning. And we'll work it through by talking about three people in the text, and then we'll ask two questions for us today. So three characters in the text, and then two questions about our lives, about our character today. We'll start with Simon the Pharisee. And in this text, the Pharisee seeks status. In this text, Simon the Pharisee invites Jesus over for dinner, but he does it in order to gain status. And it, it seems like Simon isn't inviting Jesus over for sort of an informal meal. What he's inviting him over is for a very formal occasion. Simon probably had a large house, and, and at this sort of dinner, he would gather important people. He would gather people who he owed a favor to or people who he might want a favor from, and they would gather in the central space in the house, and, and they'd They'd arrange themselves very differently than we would. They'd have a short table in the middle, and then they'd all kind of recline on these couches or platforms. So you'd sort of lean over, lay down, you'd rest yourself on your left elbow, and you'd, you'd eat with your right hand, and you'd all be facing each other in a circle or a rectangle, and, and you'd have this conversation. And, and the goal was to leave with this sense of indebtedness to the host and connection to those around and, and a stronger network. Now, we, we aren't 100% sure. The text doesn't tell us exactly what Simon's motivation was, but commentators pretty much agree that one way or another it was selfish. It might have been that what Simon was trying to do was network with Jesus. He'd heard there was this latest celebrity teacher, and he wanted that teacher at his house so he could, he could show off to his buddies and he could show off to the community that he had clout, that he had presence, that he was someone who was in the know. And it's also possible that Simon actually wasn't that interested in networking with Jesus, but what he wanted to do was he wanted to, he wanted to get in deeper with the Pharisees' network. He wanted to give all of them an opportunity to gather and to, to check out this Jesus guy, to evaluate his teaching and see what they thought of it. And so Simon hosts this dinner to get ahead with that community, to, to do a favor to all of them. But regardless of what his exact motivation was, it seems pretty clear that Simon is using hospitality. He's using hospitality as a means to promote his own agenda, to build up his own status. So that's Simon. And now let's turn to the woman in this text. And that woman, 
obviously has very low status. She's kind of wandering off the street. She's known in that town as a sinner. But she shows up there not to gain status, but simply to express gratitude. She shows up to give thanks to Jesus. And in this text, we're not told that the woman says anything, but, but her actions are listed out step by step, and her actions speak louder than words. She comes to the outside of that circle of diners, and she, she places herself by Jesus' feet, and, and she weeps. And the word for weeping there is a word that's used for rain showers, for water just pouring out. This is not a quiet little cry. This is, this is deeply emotional, and she's all involved with it. And, and there's this fountain of tears pouring out on Jesus' feet. And then she takes her hair, and she wipes his feet dry. And then she has this expensive, maybe once-in-a-lifetime perfume that she opens up, and she, she anoints Jesus' feet with that expensive perfume. This is an extravagant and almost embarrassing display of gratitude. That perfume was really, really valuable, a kind of once-in-a-lifetime thing, and, and she uses it at a dinner party? And what's more, this woman shows up, and she's going to pay a social cost for what she's doing because it's, it's a little bit out there. It's, it's kind of awkward. It's, it's not the sort of thing that you would do. She knows that this act of expressing gratitude to Jesus is going to put her even more on the margins, and she cannot afford in that time and place to be any more marginalized than she already is. But still, she shows up to express gratitude to Jesus. And as the woman does that, Simon is scandalized and annoyed. His dinner party has taken a turn that he does not want. It's becoming, instead of a way to build up prestige, it's becoming an embarrassment. And so he's unhappy with the woman and he's unhappy with Jesus. And Jesus knows that. And let's turn our attention now to how Jesus responds to both the woman and Simon. And how Jesus responds is by sacrificially forgiving debts. Jesus begins by saying to Simon, Simon, I have something to tell you. And we don't pick that up today, but that's a loaded phrase. That's something you would say to someone before telling them something they didn't want to hear. Jesus is saying to Simon, Simon, <clears throat> we have to talk. And Simon responds by saying, okay, tell me what you have to say, teacher. Simon at least seems willing to listen. And then Jesus tells a parable, and he talks about two people. He talks about, about someone who's in debt, maybe a couple months' worth of wages to this moneylender. So he's got a significant debt, but not, maybe not crippling. But then there's someone else who has, who has maybe two years' worth of wages that they owe to this moneylender, an amount they could never hope to pay back. One debtor in for a couple months, another debtor in for a couple years, and neither can pay their debt. But, says Jesus... The moneylender forgives both of them. And so, Simon, which of these two do you think loves that lender more who forgave them? And, and Simon answers hesitantly, cautiously. He's maybe seeing that he's walked into a trap, and he says, Well, I suppose, I suppose the one who had the debt forgiven. And forgiven is the key word there. 
And Jesus responds, yes, that's exactly right. You've got it, Simon. And then Jesus takes that parable and he brings it right into the room where they are. And he points out a number of ways that Simon has neglected to be a good host. And then he highlights a corresponding number of ways that this poor, neglected, marginalized woman has been a great host. Simon didn't even give Jesus water to wash his feet. And in a world where you walked everywhere, washing your feet was a big deal. But this woman washed Jesus' feet with her own tears, and then she wiped them dry with her hair. Simon didn't even give Jesus the standard kiss of greeting, and, and that sounds weird to us, but it's the equivalent of, uh, you know, shaking someone's hand or giving them that bro hug with the three taps, you know, hey, uh, yeah, good to see you. And everyone does three taps, and if you didn't before, you will now, because you've heard me say that. But Simon didn't even do that. But this woman didn't stop kissing Jesus since she arrived. And, and Simon didn't give Jesus any oil for his head. Again, kind of a way of refreshing somebody, a little bit like a nice shower might be today. But this woman went so far as to pour this expensive perfume on Jesus' feet. And I, you know, I put a little bit of humor in there because those details sound really strange to us. We don't, we don't get it. But the point that Jesus is making is, Simon, you did almost nothing for me. You barely got over the threshold of hospitality, but this woman has been generous beyond all expectation. And then Jesus ties that, that lack of hospitality and that generous hospitality to a response of, of having been forgiven. He says those who have been forgiven much, they love much, but those who have been forgiven just a little, they love just a little. Now, if you picture something like that happening at a dinner party that you threw, you would know that Jesus is being a really awkward dinner guest right now. He is really holding Simon's feet to the fire, and this is, this is unpleasant. But Jesus is doing it to help Simon. Jesus is doing it to try to help Simon see that what really matters is not his social status, but his relationship to the Lord Jesus. In that parable, the two people who owe a debt, Jesus is the lender. And Simon and the woman and all of us, we're all debtors. We all owe God a debt. And some of us might owe a little debt. Some of us might owe a big debt. Some of us might not even really want to acknowledge that we owe the Lord a debt. But Jesus' parable shows us that everybody does. Everybody does. But Jesus' parable also shows us that the Lord forgives those debts. And as we continue in the Gospel of Luke and the other Gospels, as we hear the story of Jesus, we see that Jesus paid that debt not by writing it off, but by giving his own body and blood. We owed a debt of everything, and Jesus paid it with his own life. Jesus gave up himself so that we could be welcome at the eternal dinner party that the Lord is throwing for his people. Jesus' sacrificial love opened the way for us to be forgiven. And in this text, we can see that the woman has experienced that forgiveness, and so she's living a life of gratitude. Her love for Jesus is a sign that she has been forgiven much, and she knows it. And you know, if we read this text carefully, we 
we don't actually know what happens to Simon. He starts out in a bad place. He starts out seeking his own status, but, but at the end of the text, it's not, it's not clear. There's signs of hope when Jesus says, we have to talk. Simon doesn't blow him off, but Simon says, I'm here. Tell me. And, you know, in Jesus' parable, there are two debtors who owe different amounts, but, but the important thing is that they're both forgiven. And it might be that in the end, Simon finally hears Jesus and, and reorients his life and truly accepts the forgiveness that Jesus has provided. So there's these three characters in the text. There's Simon, the wealthy man, the upwardly mobile guy who, who is seeking status. And then there's this poor, marginalized, sinful woman who's, who's found Jesus' forgiveness and love and who, who just wants to say thank you to him. And then there's Jesus who stands, who tells the story, who, who teaches and who invites all of us to ask where we are with him. And so now we're going to turn the camera on ourselves for the rest of this sermon. And and I'm going to ask two questions, and I want to ask you to invest in these two questions and to reflect on them as we walk through this time together. So first, do we focus on status or sacrifice? Do we focus on building up our own status, or do we focus on Christ's sacrifice for us? All of us have ways of making life work. We all have our own ways of relating to God and, and getting through the day, but, but most of our practices, most of the ways that we automatically want to relate to God and to other people aren't adequate. Most of the ways that we try to relate to God end up with us going to God and, well, and not really acknowledging our need and our guilt. All of us often go to God like Simon, trying to build up our own status. Some people, I mean, none of us here, but, but some people go to God with a, with a wealth mindset, that I have everything I need, and I'm a good person, basically, and, and yeah, you know, I could connect with God. Maybe he could give me some benefits, and certainly it would be a good thing for him to have someone like me connected to him. So, so yeah, let's develop a connection. Let's network. Sometimes we approach God as if we have all the wealth and all we need is another connection, another person to network with. And others, none of us of course, but, but other people, we adopt more of that middle class mindset that we're more or less sufficient on our own and we can do it and we've got it together and we'll be happy to have a nice positive relationship with Jesus. We'd love to have him be part of our lives, but, but he'd better respect our space. And he'd better recognize that we need a certain amount of independence. And so, yes, Jesus, but, but respect me. Keep your distance just a little bit. But when it comes to our relationship with the Lord, I think what all of us need, what all of us need is a poverty mindset. What all of us need is to recognize deep, deep down that we do not have enough. What all of us need deep, deep down is to recognize that we are sinful and that we belong on the margins and that we, we just ain't got it. And so the way that we relate to the Lord is not by building up our own status, but instead by looking to Christ's sacrifice and recognizing that only His resources 
only what Christ gives us can possibly be enough. Only Christ can be enough. And so what we need most of all is to to accept Christ's forgiveness, to acknowledge our debt, to acknowledge that he's canceled it out, and to live into his sacrifice. Your status or Christ's sacrifice, which one is going to define your life? And now one more question. One more question. This question is, get or give? Do we seek to get or to give? Michael Jr. is a Christian comedian, and in one of his shows, Michael spends a couple minutes reflecting on why he does what he does, and he, he draws this contrast that in one way is, is a small contrast, but in another way is life-changing. So Michael says, you know, most comedians, most people who go into comedy, who get up on the stage, well, they're trying to get laughs from the audience. They love the attention, the applause, the prestige, and and what most comedians are trying to do when they get up here is is they want to get laughs from all of you. Michael says, I I try to take a different approach. I don't want to come up here and get anything from you. What I want to do, what I want to do is I want to give you the opportunity to laugh. I want to give you the opportunity to come and, and yeah, listen to me talk and, and just enjoy yourself and enjoy the gift of a time of entertainment and fun and laughter. I don't want to get anything from you. What I want to do is give you the best that I am capable of giving you. And that's a small shift, and, and maybe you wouldn't even at first notice the difference there, but, but it's also a massive transformation. Is our fundamental mindset what we can get from other people or what we can give to them? In that book, A Framework for Understanding Poverty, people at every economic level, at least as that book presents it, people at every economic level are always acting in their own self-interest. They're adopting a set of strategies to help themselves, to help help their tight circle get through. And how they relate to other people is basically by using them for what they can get. The wealthy, and I recognize this is not fair to all people, but the wealthy, well, what they're trying to do is create a network so they always have enough resources, enough people to call on so they'll never lack for anything. And the middle class, what they're trying to do is is build up their own position so that they don't really need anybody else. And the poor, what they're doing is they're trying to grab after every person, every resource, and everything that they can get so that, so that they'll be able to survive. But all of those pro- approaches are about getting, not giving. But living for Jesus brings us into a different place, a place where we can focus on what we can give instead of what we need to get. You know, in Luke 7 here, Simon The wealthy, powerful, respected, rich guy, he is actually in deep poverty. And that poor, sinful woman on the outskirts of the town, on the margins of society, she is actually the wealthy one. All that Simon has will go away. Status, money, possess, everything passes away. 
but Jesus' forgiveness lasts forever. That woman has received, she's gotten everything she needs from Jesus, and so she can turn from getting to giving. She can be extravagantly, generously hospitable. What kind of life do you want? Do you want to live a life of always trying to get more and get more and get more? And if you do that, if you live for yourself, if you live for status, whatever strategy you adopt, whatever actions you take, you will end up impoverished. You might be wealthy, you might have a big bank account, but you will be a poor person. Because if you live for yourself, you will never, ever have enough. Do you want that kind of life? Or do you want a life, a life that is full of Jesus? Do you want a fulfilled life of receiving from the Lord so much that you can always be giving to others? If you accept Jesus' work on your behalf, if you own the forgiveness that he has already provided for you, then you will always have more than enough. If you have the forgiveness and the love of Jesus, then you will always have all the wealth and all the status that you need, even if you have almost nothing. Jesus gives us his forgiveness. Jesus gives us his love. And if we accept those gifts, if we accept what the Lord Jesus Christ gives us, then we will always have everything that we need. If we accept the forgiveness of our Lord Jesus Christ, then we always have enough for ourselves and enough to give away. Let's pray. Father, it is often difficult for us to admit our own poverty. It is... Well, honestly, it's impossible for us to to own that we aren't enough and that we don't have enough. Father, we pray that you show us the truth about ourselves. Show us the debt that we owe you. Show us our own lack, our own poverty. And Father, by your grace, don't leave us there, but move us on to see what you give us. Move us on to see how Jesus' work has canceled our debts and how how through the Holy Spirit you are ready to provide us with everything that we need. Father, we thank you for your grace. We could not live without it. And help us to live more and more into your generosity so that we can be generous to others. Amen.